Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You are now listening to WTLB Digital Radio, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You are now listening to WTLB Digital Broadcast, the only network where you can make real transformation in your life. The Transform You Live Media Broadcast Network. Tell Alexa, hey, play Transform You Live show or visit TransformYouBroadcast.com. Our veterans don't want to go to the private sector. You have more veterans that want to come to the VA, that are appreciative of the care at the VA, and, it, and it's more than just medical care. It's, it's hey, you know, by the way, did you know that you would be eligible for a loan, uh, for a house, or, hey, um, already blessed to you and the energy that's already here for you. Marcus, you put me on here. I think you got a great show. I think you got very smart viewers out there that really appreciate the content you put out there. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time uh, to put me on your show. I would really have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun every time. All these quote unquote laws and rules, be able to do that freely and, and, and be who you are and who's created to be. For more information, visit TransformYouBroadcast.com. That's TransformTheLetterYouBroadcast.com. Now it's time to get locked for the Transform You Live show. The only show that combines spirituality with business and personal development. The only show in the universe where you can make real transformation in your life. Now it's time to get the mind of your spirit open. Keep ready and make way for your host. Hello, my people, my people. Welcome to the Transform You Live show with your host, Marcus Hart. We are back for another great show, and we have a fabulous and a great guest on board here today. We're going to be talking about a very important topic today and some other amazing topics, too, that's going to really help a lot of you guys make real transformation in your lives. We're talking today with Renault Purefoy, and I'm going to allow Renault to actually introduce himself. I can say so much about what he's all about, but I'm going to actually allow him to give his own introduction. Renaud, are you there? Oh, I'm doing great. It's, it's, it's uh, fun to be here. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I've uh, done a lot of different things in my life. Uh, I was a counselor for 20 years, specializing in anxiety disorders. Uh, left that and taught for about 20 years at a local college, and now I'm sort of semi-retired. I'm still doing a lot of YouTube videos and doing some teaching, you know, talking on the radio, and still working on books and things, so it's, uh, you know, they say retire just because you get tired all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've sold a bunch of books. First one sold about 200,000 so far, uh, Anxiety, Phobias, and Panic, and 
know, I've got a couple others out there. Uh, Wide God Give Us Emotions and uh, Anger Taming the Beast. And then my most recent one here, Overcoming Anxiety, which is kind of the next step off of the first one I wrote a long time ago. And the uh, easiest way to find out more about all that stuff is my website, which is YWHYYEmotions.com. Wow. Well, you definitely truly are accomplished, and I, I got to applaud, man. I, I'm, I'm really, you know, inspired already, you know, just from just briefly what you have to share with us. So, so out of all of the things you have done in your life, you know, which, which one of those things can you say, you know, really, I guess, kind of sticks out for us, like um, how kind of really shape or transform, you know, um, you, you know, uh, far as like in this next part, part of the journey in your life? Well, I guess uh, first thing that popped in my mind was raising two kids. Oh, the kids? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, two, 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 they're both adults now. Uh, so, yeah, a daughter and a son. Son, son was an interesting journey because he's a... That ADD and that oppositional gene in him, so it's, it's been been an interesting journey with him. And you know, my faith, you know, faith faith journey has been a big big issue for me too. And just finding out what God's all about, you know, what He wants from me. But as far as the uh, practice goes, uh, just it's been an interesting uh, journey of discovery as I've moved along and kind of watched things develop. Uh, when I first started working with anxiety disorders, there was actually not a whole lot known about it. I went into the local uh, college and uh, I was able to look at all the research on panic disorder in about three days. You know, and that's how much had been done at that point in time. That was back in the uh, right around '80, and it didn't take too long for that to explode. So that you know that would be impossible to do today. There's just been so much stuff done on it. So it's been I've been kind of growing along with the industry. One of the, I guess, most satisfying things for me as far as my writing goes is the first book. Uh, it sort of became the the, the the approach that I used then has kind of become the standard approach nowadays. Because when I first started, you had your three basic schools of psychology, your cognitive people, your you know, which, where it's all about how you think and your beliefs and that sort of thing. And then your behaviorist, which you're just concerned with changing behavior. And then your psychodynamic people looking at the kind of what are those things deep inside that are kind of underlying what's driving you. And they were all kind of polarized. You'd go to a conference and the behaviorist would get up to talk and everybody else would kind of throw spitwads at them and, you know, laugh at them. And then the cognitive person would get up and then the other two groups would kind of do the same thing with him and, and you know and, and so I, I think I was one of the first people to, to say well wait, wait a minute let's, let's put them all together and use that multimodal approach which is now kind of standard throughout you know the, the uh, counseling and therapy uh, uh, movement so that, that was kind of rewarding to see that I kind of was one of the leaders in that area wow that that's truly remarkable and you know I, I'm just thinking I'm just hearing you know, and what's sticking out to me was you just said, it's like, you know, you said you went in initially and in three days, you know, um, <laughs> that's all it took for you to, to learn what was available. And, and since then, it has grown vastly. And, and that that is definitely true. You know, there's there's so much out there, and, you know, and um, and it's clear that, you know, you have definitely contribute to a lot of, a lot of that information that's out there. Um, 
And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how psychology has changed over the last 30 years because you go back to the 50s and, and before that and, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there was some, but there was a lot of pseudoscience mixed in with, you know, psychology. You know, Freud, he just talked to a bunch of sick people and kind of developed his theory from that. And wasn't a lot of research-based stuff. And then the psychoactive medications came out with schizophrenia and then that was a group of people that... We really had nothing we could do for. They were suffering greatly, and they tried all kinds of things, and nothing seemed to help. And then suddenly they came up with Stelazine and Melaril, which changed how they thought, and you know, to some degree it didn't cure them, but it helped improve a lot, especially with the milder cases. And then suddenly they said, wow, we got a substance here that actually changes behavior. And so all the neuroscientists started doing research, and that's when uh, the science really started exploding in, in, in psychology. And of course, uh, Schizophrenia and then depression was the big thing in the 60s, and it's kind of like, you know, in the 70s, you know, late 70s, they discovered anxiety, and so that became the next area of research. You know, it, it's been interesting to see, as they get into a new area, how the explosion of research takes place. Fascinating. Now, being, being that, you know, that there's like um, so many different areas of, um, of study, um, and, and, and I guess so many ways to approach uh, recovery uh, from anxiety. You know, um, what, what are those different uh, levels of uh, recovery from anxiety? Well, let's focus just on panic disorder because there's a lot of different types of anxiety disorders. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, let's, let's back that up. Yeah, <laughs> let's back that up. Like, uh, how about we, you know, like uh, first identify what are the different types because, you know, many people just say what, the minute they hear anxiety, they say, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> they, they, they do lock all the men and just, you know, so like, but they don't understand right. that there are different types, so. Well, the one that I dealt most with was panic disorder, and that's where people are having panic attacks. You know, their their breathing starts to, you know, they start to get lightheaded. You know, they start to uh, fear that, you know, something's wrong with them, and, and they, they tend to start avoiding situations where they're having these panic attacks. And I guess the best way to, to uh, think about what a panic attack is is think about the most frightening thing you've ever had in your life and think of what was going on inside your body at that time. And that's basically a panic attack. Uh, I, I remember uh, one time I was at a at a uh, stop sign, and this car decided to cut across the lanes behind me and got uh, T-boned, and so they started rolling towards me. <laughs> and so of course I slammed on the gas, got out of their way, but my heart was beat, you know. And you know, I was, you know, my my foot was kind of trembling on the old uh, accelerator stuff. I mean, I understood what happened, so it wasn't like you know. So after a few minutes, I calmed down and everything was fine again. But imagine something that that body sensation happening for no apparent reason. It just all of a sudden it starts going crazy like that. And that's what a panic attack is. Now, there is a reason, but it's just it's, it's not obvious. And so people start imagining all kinds of things. You know, I've, I've got a heart attack. I've got some kind of thing going on in my brain. Something's going on in my body. You know, I don't know what's happening. You know, I'm going crazy. And so they don't know what's happening. They don't know how to stop it. And so they start avoiding places where it seems to happen. So, and that's basically what I dealt a lot with. So the other thing I dealt a lot with was uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and that's pretty popular nowadays. Uh, right. Or getting more well-known, I should probably say, rather than popular. Um, but that's where people have had a traumatic experience, and uh, now they're having symptoms afterwards. You know, whether it has to do with you know a, a wartime experience or a bad accident, 
It can even happen some somebody has witnessed a bad accident, uh, and then later on they'll start having nightmares or thoughts about it, and you know, or they'll start having you know uh, just a whole host of things surrounding that uh, that uh, experience that they had. Uh, and then there's uh, generalized anxiety disorders, which is just people that, that worry a lot, uh, and it's I mean really excessively. They worry about everything. Um, Obsessive compulsive disorders, where people are um, obsessing, they either have rituals such as hand washing, you know, or checking, you know, or they may have persistent thoughts, and uh, yeah, and so that that's that that's actually a brain disorder. We, we've seen nowadays that when you do uh, brain scans of them, uh, there's some specific regions in the brain that seem to uh, basically it's kind of like a, the old record players if. For those of you that remember those, how the needle would sometimes get stuck and just play over and over again. That seems to be what happens with these thoughts is that they start to loop on them. Uh, and right. those are some of the more common ones. Definitely. And, and yeah, so, yeah, and, and you know, and that's that's very good that you was, to, you know, able to uh, clarify that up for the audience because, you know, like I said, you know, some people, you know, the, the minute they hear anxiety, you know, they, they tend to, you know, um, just associate that as being just one specific thing, and you know, and, and not usually are not clear on um, on the uh, on the more you know, I guess, uh, or, the, or, the, or the idea of it being more of an umbrella of um, different different types. Uh, and of course, anxiety is something that everybody experiences to some degree or another. It's just it's a normal thing when there's uncertainty in your life. And I think the problem anxiety is is when people start to uh, well I, I think one of the things that that causes problem anxiety just in, in the more normal population is something that we call what if thinking you know the neg or the technical term is negative anticipation so you know what if this happens what if that happens and so people start to worry so that they worry a lot and it's it's interesting because that's that's a habit pattern that people often learn from their parents oftentimes it's the same sex parent it doesn't have to be so if your dad was a warrior and you're a guy then you'll tend to worry if your mom was a warrior and you're a gal then you tend to worry a lot about stuff and it's just kind of a habit pattern and uh so that might be something that'd be fun to talk a little bit about lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com spiritpark So... So with that, like, is that that's something that's just like inherited or uh, genetic and passed down, or or is that like you know like learned behavior? It's 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 more of a learned behavior, uh, I, I believe. Uh, you know, there may be some genetic components to it, but people can certainly learn to uh, do less worrying. Uh, 
One, one of the things that I find that warriors do is they uh, exaggerate the odds. You know, they, they do a lot of what we call black and white thinking. So, uh, you know, oh, I, it's going to happen. It's going to be awful. You know, I'm going to go to that. And a lot of times that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, let's say you've got a job interview coming up. And so the person starts thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't do interviews. I do horrible interviews. I'm going to blow this thing when I get there. And so they spend three or four days thinking that way, right? And guess what happens when they get the interview, right? They they, they blow it, right? Oh yeah, boom. Uh, so that that's a very common feature of worry, uh, and I find that they tend to exaggerate the odds. To, to maybe go back to my panic disorder uh, folks, uh, one of the worries that they would often have is, you know, I'm going to faint. You know, what if I pass out when I start to have a panic attack? And so I would ask them, so. Uh, what do you think the odds are that you might pass out when you go into that situation? Oh, it's they're very high, 50%, maybe 80%. So then I would ask him, so uh, how many times have you actually passed out? Oh, I, I've, I've never passed out. So based on reality, the odds are very low. Based on uh, so, so what they're doing is they're they're magnifying you know, the the odds. They're being unrealistic. So one thing, right. one of the things I find is, is people need to start uh, being realistic to maybe take like uh, with some of the students I used to teach. You know, oh, I'm, I'm going to flunk this test. I know I'm going to flunk this test. So, so how many times have you flunked the test? Oh, 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 only once or twice during the time I've been here. Usually I do pretty good. Okay, so based on reality, you usually do okay. And so that's the first thing is you take a look at what are the odds based on your past experience. One of the things I used to tell my people who worry is, you know, you, you're a lousy prophet. You know, you're just a terrible fortune teller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of your predictions do not come true. Uh, so based on reality, you know, what, what are the odds? And, and then you take a look at what are the consequences. So to go back to, like, the, the passing out or, you know, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing in the world I can, I can believe. So that means you're going to die or go to comatose or something like that. Uh, lose all your money. No, no, no. It's just it'll just be a, sh- a short time, and then I'll recover. And I'll be okay. Yeah. So it's really it's it's very embarrassing. It might be uncomfortable, but it's not like it's going to be the worst thing in your life. So that's the other thing that warriors do is they exaggerate the uh, the consequences. You know, it's going to be horrible. So uh, I say, let's take a look at something really terrible in your life, such as you having a wasting disease, or your kids getting killed, or something like that. If right. that's a ten. How bad is flunking a test or uh, passing out or something like that? Well, it, it comes way down the scale, right? So right. you need to not. So, so when you start exaggerating, stop and think. Okay, so based upon really bad things, how bad is this really? If that were to happen, well, I wouldn't like it, but it's not like I'm going to die or you know it's going to have a lasting effect. Uh, it's just going to be an uncomfortable experience, or it's going to be something just to have a temporary effect. So then, and that's. That's the next step is the one that they don't get to because what happens with a warrior is they cycle between those two things. Oh, I know it's going to be happening and it's going to be the worst thing in the world. Oh, I know it's going to happen and it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And so what you need to do is once you've made an accurate assessment, you need to say, okay, what is my plan to prevent it? See, they never get there. They just stay cycling Mm -hmm. through. It's going to be terrible, right? What is my plan to prevent it? And also, what is my plan to deal with it if it were to occur? So like with the, uh, the, the, the student, right? So, so what is your plan to prevent flunking? Well, I guess I could study. Well, yeah, <laughs> that would help. <laughs> and, and so you come up with a plan for it, right? And, and then yeah. uh, if it were to happen, if you did get a bad grade, 
what could you do to minimize the effects of that? Well, I, I could do some extra credit, or in the case of the person passing out, um, you know, what could I do to prevent it? Well, I've got my skills. I, I know how to, you know, breathe properly, do diaphragmatic breathing, that sort of thing. And, and if I were to pass out, it would just because I hyperventilated and I'd only be out for a minute or two, so I would just need something to say. So we would actually rehearse. What would you say? Oh, well, well you, first you'd want to sit down because you're not going to just keel over. So sit down if you get lightheaded, and then that way you won't hurt yourself. And if you did pass out, you could just say, you know, I'm okay. I've been a little bit feeling under the weather lately. Just, um, you know, help me out. Give me a minute, and I'll, you know, I'll be fine. You know, have something to tell people because they don't even get there. They just, again, are cycling through. I know it's going to happen, and it's going to be the worst thing in the world. Exactly. Hey, you look at people who deal with uncertainty well, those are the steps they go through. And it's like they've learned it either on their own or by modeling from their parents. They've learned how to you know, take a look at things, assess them accurately, uh, and then come up with a plan to prevent and make some decisions about what they would do if it were to happen. And then after you've done that, for the warrior, I say, okay, I want you to condense that all down into one or two sentences so that next time that worry comes up, you answer it with that sentence that you've created. And we call that a coping self-statement. It's something you tell yourself that helps you cope with that worry or that situation more effectively. And, and that's a skill that you can learn. Awesome. That, that is fabulous information. You're definitely dropping some nuggets for us. And uh, I'm definitely going to challenge you on the other end <laughs> as we take our break here. Uh, we're talking with new uh, Pure, Pure Floyd. We'll be right back. This is the Transform You Live show. For those who just jo uh, joined in, we are uh, talking with Renew Purifoy, the author of Overcoming Anxiety. We'll be right, right back. Have you heard him on YouTube? Renew Purifoy, the author of Overcoming Anxiety and many other titles. With 20 years experience through writing, speaking, and seeing people with anxiety-related problems, he is surely the commentator you want to hear from. Get some practical life skills with a new pair for it. Visit whyemotions.com. That's whyemotions.com. Or catch them on YouTube. My people, welcome back to the Transform You Live show with your host, Mark Tart. We are back with part two of another great show. We have another great guest. We have Renew Purifoy. He's the author of Overcoming Anxiety and countless other titles. Make sure you do check him out. Uh, what's your website again, Renew? It's whyemotions.com. So W-H-Y, whyemotions.com. And you can find all my videos and books and everything there. A lot, a lot of stuff up on YouTube, so a lot of fun things to go take a look at if you like this sort of thing. Splendid. Now, before we took a break, we were, you know, uh, having a, a good conversation, and um, and I was just ready to uh, set to challenge you back with um, with what you were saying, and uh, and one of the things I was going to challenge you with, I was going to say, I was thinking to, to myself, I would say, okay, well, you know, it, it's it's easier said and done to you know give people skills but there are certain situations <laughs> there are a lot of times there's a lot of situations where people get stuck and then they forget those skills so why does that happen you know why is it you know when uh sometimes the emotions can outpower the skills that we pick up to uh come back uh, you know to, to combat against uh, well 
these problems. You know, a lot of your behavior is just a habit pattern. The way you tie your shoes or brush your teeth. You have to try brushing your teeth with your other hand or starting on the other side of your mouth sometime or tying your shoes, you know, differently. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> behavior becomes so automatic we don't think about it. And that's good because that allows us to listen to the radio while we're driving the car or, you know, do other things. We don't have to deal with all that little, little stuff that's become automatic. But again, the downside is when you've got a negative pattern that's become automatic, it, it does get uh, to be problem, problematic to try to change it. And of course, the other factor is emotion. You know, the more stronger emo- your emotions are, the more difficult it is to use that rational part of your brain to utilize those skills. And so I often say that, you know, you make hay while the sun shines, which means that when life is going reasonably well, that's when you make your most progress. If you're in the middle of crisis, uh, then it's more difficult. In fact, uh, people that were in the middle of, let's say, PTSD or something like that, I used to talk about how, well, we have this dance that we do between containment and uh, processing, right? So if you're just all, you know, hanging on by your fingernails, we need to contain your symptoms and get you where you're functional. If you're functioning, then we need to go back and take a look at what's going on and do your processing at that time. And, and that's true with a lot of stuff in life is, is if life is crazy, then the goal is let's, let's contain things and let's get, be effective. And if life is going well, that's when you make your most progress. But of course, that's when you don't want to do anything, right? Because <laughs> life is going well. So, do you think the avoid the avoidance end sometimes too is um you know like a a, a real clear uh, reason you know when there's so much avoidance you know that that builds that 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 muscle for the emotions you know to be that much more stronger. Uh, I'm not quite quite sure what you mean. But you mean by avoiding things or or avoiding well, dealing with stuff in your life. Well, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, the, the, the avoidance, uh, you know, the, the anxiety, you know, um, you know. We, we oh, you mean you talk about avoidance with anxiety? Yeah. Right. The avoidance well, you know, attached with anxiety. Yeah, I mean, with panic disorder, the, the avoidance is actually a very rational response. If every time I go to the supermarket, my body goes crazy, I don't know why it's doing that or how to control it. The most logical thing is, well, I want to quit going to the supermarket. <laughs> I would have a bigger stuff to be, right? Uh, and so that's why I think number one is coming to some understanding of what's going on and then having some tools that, that are effective that you can use to manage you know, what's going on with your body helps with panic disorder. And that's true, I think, with most things. Uh, and I might also add that a lot of people, quite frankly, are not in a very growth mode. They're just, you know, they've come up with a set of defense mechanisms that work in their life, and they're not interested in you know, going any further. Uh, in fact, the harsher the background you have, the more stronger your defense mechanisms is are, I should say. Uh, and that's because defense mechanisms protect you. They help you survive harsh environments. So if I've got somebody who comes from, you know, lots of abuse uh, and just a very tough life, and they've developed some really rigid ways of coping with that, um, now they're in a the adult world, they're in a new situation, but they're still acting as if they're still stuck in that environment they came out of. Mm-hmm. And so that's where those defense mechanisms now start to become harmful for them. As a kid, it might have protected them, but now it's actually interfering with their life. And yet, because they are very strong, 
sometimes it's hard to, you know, see, you know, to, to, to be willing to change it because, again, there's that protective. If, if I don't do this, how am I going to survive? You know, how, what's going to protect me? And that may not even be a conscious thought. It's kind of a feeling. Uh, and so come, being able to see that, you know, there's something I can place put in place of that that's going to be more effective I mean that's part of the, the puzzle but like I said a lot of people you know they, they do really don't want to change uh, because they don't see the need for it and that's unfortunate but we see a lot of that in the world so being willing to change is, 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 is the first step is recognizing something's wrong and I need to do something about it. being willing to admit that because a lot of people their big defense mechanism is you know hey nothing wrong here everything's fine <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're bleeding pretty bad. Oh, no, I'm fine, you know. Yeah, you, you uh, definitely see so recognizing lot. something's wrong is the, is the first step. And then the second step, of course, is coming up with an effective way of doing something about it. And that's a big one. Uh, you know, I've played guitar all my life, and I've taught, I still teach a little bit of guitar for kids at the church. And, uh, you know, the old saying, practice makes perfect. That's not true. I say, no, practice makes permanent. If you're practicing your chord the wrong way, you're just making a bad thing permanent. So, you know, what you're, how you're practicing and what you're practicing is very important because you want to make that permanent because you've already made some bad stuff permanent, you know, your bad habits. And the same thing can be done with, uh, you know, with uh, thinking patterns. Yeah, and probably did to illustrate this and make it more concrete. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months now through December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCU. UA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a thousand dollar minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Let's take a look at something called should must thinking. Okay. Because that's real common with anxiety related problems uh, as well as a number of other things. And should must thinking it's where you have rigid rules for your wants in life and so you think in terms of I should, I must, I have to. And uh, again when you come out of a rigid environment um, you tend to have a lot of shit must rules because that's how you survive. If you know I have violent parents, then I learn keep your mouth shut when you're around your parents. Right? That becomes a rigid rule. Uh, I I have to do this, otherwise you know bad things happen to me. I have to do this if I want to get fed. I have to do this if I want to survive. Right? And that becomes a rigid way of thinking. And it oftentimes it'll extend into other areas of your life. And and it doesn't need to be a, a rigid background. It could be a parent who had a lot of should must thinking. Maybe they came maybe their grandparent came from a rigid background or a hard, you know, war torn area or whatever. And then they've passed it on to their kid who's now passed that form of thinking on to you. So it can be a generational thing. And it's it's, it's interesting to see how that works. I, I was looking at one study just to digress for a moment, who's looking at Holocaust uh, survivors from World War II, 
Okay. And they found that even sometimes the grandkids would have PTS symptoms just because they modeled some of that behavior and thinking off of the parents who had modeled off of the, you know, the grandparents who actually were in the concentration camps. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting how kids can pick up stuff, you know, through the generations. So if you have a rigid thinking or a parent who's a rigid thinker, you might just have modeled off of that. And you may not have come out from a rigid background. But anyway, to, to get back to our topic here, uh, should must rules, again, basically are where I have a want or a preference, but I've made it into a rigid rule. For example, I have to be on time. Let's use that idea. So I have to be on time. Now, that's a very useful rule in life, right? right. It helps you at work, helps you succeed in a lot of areas. But uh, I'm going to my friend's house just to watch some TV and maybe have a beer or something. And, uh, you know, there's a traffic jam. I told him I was going to be there at 7, but now I'm going to be late. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I have to be on time. I'm going to be late. This is horrible. Why is this happening? And, of course, you get anxious. You start yelling at the car, the cars and driving crazy and all that other type of stuff, uh, which is really not a good thing to do, right? Right. Uh, and the reality is I'm going to be late. And so what's happening is I've taken something that I want and I've changed it into a rigid rule that does not exist in the universe. I do not, you know, there's nothing, there's no rule in the universe that says, you know, I have to be on time. I would like to be on time. You know, I want to be on time, and that's the reality, and that's what you do when you shift your language. As I tell people, instead of saying I have to be on time, saying I want to be on time or I like to be time. I like to be on time. Because the the bottom line is life is a series of choices and you make choices and rules based upon whether they benefit you uh, or they protect you in some way and so if I may choose to want to be on time and that's okay but that is I'm going to get, I'm going to be frustrated in that sometimes and then I have to decide what am I going to do about it right so if I'm going to be late uh, do I call ahead you know do I just you know take an alternate route or do I, do I just show up late and explain yeah the traffic was heavy you know uh, and, and I think the other part of this is when you have a lot of rigid thinking, a lot of should must rules, uh, the technical term is, is the locus of control is outside of you. And what that means is it's like this parent is following you, following you around saying, you have to be on time. You have to be on time and you have no control over it. Uh, when I start saying, I, I like to be on time, you know, I choose to be on time, now I'm in control. Uh, I used to have students sometimes tell me, you know, you know, I hate going to school. Man, why do I have to come to school so early? This really is, I hate this, man. Why do I got to do this? And so I just say, well, just stay home. <laughs> and they say, well, but if I do that, I'm, I'm going to flunk, and, and then I'm, you know, then I'm not going to be able to get that job I want. Okay, so you're choosing to come to school because you want these other things. Exactly. That's a whole different thing from you know this 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 imaginary parent telling me I have to go to school. If you say I'm choosing to go because I want these other things, now it becomes a, a choice, right? And it feels lighter, uh, and it's not like there's this oppressive force making you do something you don't want to do. So that's something that you try to encourage people who are rigid thinkers to do. Instead of saying I have to do this or I have to do that, start saying I choose or I want to, and. One of the things that happens is sometimes they decide, I don't want to do some of these things anymore, uh, which is good, right? And some of the rules, you decide, yeah, I, I do like to be on time, so I'm going, to, I'm going to keep doing that. But I choose not to have to do my laundry every Thursday night or whatever, right? Maybe I'm going to do it on Saturday or something. 
rigid thinkers, it's, it's amazing. That it, I had one, one, one lady, once, you know, there had to be 12 cookies on the cookie sheet, and you had to do this, you had to do that. I mean, she had so many rigid rules, you know. And once she started thinking, well, I choose to do that, she said, no, I'm going to put 13 on today. So, <laughs> so it, it starts to really change how you experience life, to realize that, yeah, life is a series of choices. You choose to do things because you get some benefits or you avoid some bad stuff. And it's pretty amazing, too, because uh, something you just point out, you know, it's just basically just a simple language change, you know, a, a changing of the language and just uh, really just, uh, you know, giving, giving yourself permission and to, to be free. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, taking off the change, take, uh, kicking, the, kicking away that uh, feeling of, um, you know, not having any control over your life. And, um and I think, I think that's the problem well, and, for a lot of people. And make conscious choices. I think that's, that's the important thing, is to start making conscious choices, not to be running like a robot based upon a lot of rules you got when you were a kid. Exactly. Whether so, you made them up yourself or whether they were given to you. So, um, like, we see this also, too, in, like, uh, a lot of toxic relationships, too, you know, uh, where, you know, um, you know, there's some relationships that shouldn't shouldn't happen, and uh, maybe one partner or, or sometimes both, too, you know, they, they burn each other out, and, and uh, they, they start having some of these, these symptoms of, um, you know, of, uh, of anxiety um, because the partner is... Um, I guess kind of like um, you know uh, invading boundaries or they're not setting they're not setting boundaries and you know because of that reason you know they they're you know they're they're relinquishing a lot of their powers. So um, yeah, that, that 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 that's a whole big topic uh, as you just talked about there. You know relationships and you know one of the things is is people you know when I talk about having healthy relationships. The first requirement for a healthy relationship is you need to be healthy and you need to be in relationship with somebody who is healthy. And that's not always the case. If you got somebody who's, who is really dysfunctional that you're in relationship with, they may not have the capacity for intimacy. And that's just reality. Not everybody does. Some people are so damaged uh, that, and they're not willing to change that they are not going to be, uh, there's no way you're going to have a good relationship with them. Yeah. And recognizing that is sometimes difficult for a person, especially if they grew up with role models that were unhealthy, and that is normal to them. And that is very common today. People, uh, I mean, you look at a lot of the movies, and you look at a lot of the, the uh, music, and just a lot of the pop culture that's out there, and the model is very unhealthy. And that oh, is yeah. considered normal. Yeah, so. yeah. It, I'm glad you brought that up. It's pretty, it's pretty disgusting. You know, we used to talk about that at school fun with the kids. You know, it's yeah, you know, what's what's the themes of this music? Well, you got to be tough. Oh yeah, women are objects. Oh yeah, women are whores. You know, blah 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 blah. You know, so is that going to create a healthy relationship? No. You may feel strong and tough and all that, but you know, you're going to be an awfully lonely camper long term. Right, and then just the storylines of these movies, you know, it's just, uh, you know, everybody's got to oh, be yeah. a, a knight in shining armor and, and just, um, you know, and just sacrifice themselves. Well, and, and beyond that, you look at a lot of these heroes, you know, that are glorified, you know, and, and you know, oh, I want that dashing person, I want that Indiana Jones, you know, that Star Wars yeah. type of person. Well, you know, they always leave them in the end, right? 
What you want is the more boring person who is steady and who is steadfast, and you know, and, and you know that's the person that's going to love you the rest of your life, and that's going to make right. the, the, the good relationship. You know, this person that's way out there, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be around long term. But, you know, that's a hard sell. That's a real hard sell. You know, one of the interesting things, and I'll say this even though it's really unpopular, uh, is having sex early on. Right. You know, you, you know, in the old days, the old days, back when the dinosaurs <laughs> rolled, I was young. <laughs> you know, you used to wait and, you know, you used to look at, you know, the character of the person. Because, again, if you're going to have a good relationship, you need somebody with good character. Character matters, right? Right. And unfortunately, and this is, and I hate to say this because, it's, again, it's controversial, but more so for women than for men, uh, when they start having uh, intimate relationships, uh, sexual relationships with people, then part of the cognitive part of the brain turns off. And they start thinking mm -hmm. more emotionally. This happens to some degree with guys, too. Oh, yeah. uh, you can do it. You can see it with brain scans. You see the old emotional centers start to, you know, flare up, and the cognitive centers shut down. And unfortunately, you need to make some decisions before you get to that point. You know, you need to do some dating early on. You need to be hang around that person and, and take a look at some what I call the checklist. Right? How do they deal with disappointment? Right? Uh, are they honest? You know, it's interesting. If the person that you're seeing is dishonest. How can you trust this person? How can you have intimacy? Because intimacy is based on honesty, being able right. to feel that you can really trust this person with your feelings. And if, they've, if they're dishonest in a lot of areas of their life, how can you trust them with yourself? Because they're probably going to use that against you, betray it in some way. So, you know, just you gotta got to look at these types of things. You know, how, are they honest? How do they deal with disappointment? Are they mature? Are they willing to, to negotiate? Are they willing to talk about things? One of the biggest predictors that a relationship is not going to work is how people handle conflict. If either party won't deal with it, they just walk away, then that's one of the biggest predictors that this relationship is going to crash and burn down the road. Yeah. Uh, so our, when you have disagreement, will they, will they come up and compromise with you? Will they talk about it? You know, so things like that, and, and those are things that you don't think about if you're busy with passion early on. So you need to take a look at those things while you got your rational ability with you, and make some decisions. Yeah, this is a good, this is a good catch, or no, this is not a good catch. Uh, be, you know, early on, and, and if it's not, then you need to walk away, which sometimes is hard to do. You know, I, I was watching a, a comedian a long time ago, and. And it's it's funny, but it really has a has a kernel of truth in it. And they're talking about uh, men and women in bars, right? And okay. women walk into the bar, you know, group of women. They're looking at the guys and say, "Yeah, yeah, there's a nice fixer upper, you know, a little, <laughs> little bit here, a little bit there." Right. You know, guys walk into the bar. They they say, "Yep, no, yep, no." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and again, it's, it's an overgeneralization, but there's some truth there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and we we definitely see it in uh, a lot of the, uh, the the social the, the the social media apps that they got. So, <laughs> like yes, yeah, so, the day the dating apps. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's so, so yeah, so hold off on sex. You know, again, it's like I said, it's not a popular thing to do, but uh, it's going to get you in trouble if that's where you start. 
you need to start with making some evaluations over the person's character. Well, we're, we're talking with Renew Purify. He's the author of Overcoming Anxiety. I told you he's multi-dimensional. He's definitely offering us some some real good wisdom. Uh, we're talking about some amazing things. Uh, he is uh, with us here for another couple more minutes on the other side. So stay locked in, stay tuned with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right, right back. Have you heard him on YouTube? Renew Purefoy, the author of Overcoming Anxiety and many other titles. With 20 years experience through writing, speaking, and seeing people with anxiety-related problems, he is surely the commentator you want to hear from. Get some practical life skills with Renew Purefoy. Visit whyemotions.com. That's whyemotions.com. Or catch him on YouTube. Welcome back to the Transform You Live show with your host, Marcus Hart. We are back once again for our final portion of another great show. I usually don't say great when I say show. I usually say amazing, but I got to say great for this show because I'm really enjoying the conversation. I have gotten a lot out of the conversation. We are talking with Renew Purifoy. He is the author of Overcoming Anxiety, YouTuber, and author of many other uh, amazing titles. He is Renew, Purefoy. Renew, are you there? Oh, I'm here, yes. Yeah, and can you give us that website one more time? Sure, it's whyemotions.com, so Y-W-H-Y, whyemotions.com. And awesome. it has links to every place, everything I do. Awesome, awesome. So, I like yeah, to go we, back we, to we that. Were talking... Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were both actually talking about it over over break. So like, um, you know, we were talking about this, the the. Uh, well, I'll let you break it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the, the shouldmas thing. The, the, there's a there's a hidden form of shouldmas thinking. You know, we were talking yeah. about you know life. There's the choices, and one of the things uh, when you're in therapy that clients do a lot, and in just in normal life, is they'll start. Something will happen. They'll start saying, "I don't understand why that that person did that. I don't understand why that happened. How could that do that?" For example, somebody treats you unfairly, right? And so the person, or, or, or maybe somebody cheats on you, right? And so I don't understand why that person. How could they? Do, you know, this this doesn't make sense. I thought I thought you know that 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 the person was you know how could that happen? Why would that happen? And so you know people can go around in a circle like that. We call that circular why questioning. They can do that for, you know, sometimes years for some people, some issues, right? <laughs> they just keep bringing up, understand, how could that happen? So what I would always do, I'd say, so why do you think that happened? And they'd give me a perfect explanation. It's just that they didn't want to accept the explanation because underneath it was a should-must rule that was being violated. So wow. to go back to what earlier, uh, somebody mistreats you, and so you start saying, I don't understand why that could happen. And so, like, in the classroom, I would say, okay, class, give me some reasons why somebody might mistreat you. And they'd give me all the standard ones. Well, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe you misunderstood. You know, uh, maybe uh, they did it unintentionally. You know, maybe it really wasn't a mistreatment, you know. Uh, Maybe they just do that to everybody. They're a jerk and they just mistreat people in the world, right? So they come up with all kinds of different uh, reasons for, you know, maybe you were, they were just upset over something and, you know, you caught them at the wrong time. All of these are great explanations, but in my 
world, my friend always treats me properly. And so that rule got violated. And so rather than accepting that something other than that happened, I don't understand. You know, persons, people are supposed to treat you right. This person didn't. How could they do that? People are supposed to treat you right. I don't understand. How could they do that? So again, that's why you need to get back to this idea. You know, I, I, I wish they would not have done that, but the fact is they did. What am I going to do about it? And I got three choices, right? right. I can just forget about it, you know? I can confront them and ask them, so what's going on? Or I can write them off and never see them again, right? right. But again, it gets back to the idea that life is a series of choices, right? I need to decide how I'm going to respond and not get stuck up with the fact that it isn't the way I'd like it to be. You know what? I, I, I really like that. And, you know, it, it because, like, so, so many times we, we, we get caught up in, you know, this this unrealistic world you know that we we create and, and 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 it goes back to what you said earlier it's just that rigid thinking it's just you know you know um whatever you know what whatever that parent you know it sounds like it's something from the childhood am i correct you know like a lot of it, it does and, and and like i said sometimes it comes from modeling a parent who is a shouldn't thinker and sometimes it just comes from growing up in a rough environment where being a rigid thinker and making rigid rules for yourself helps you survive. I mean, if you've got you know, gunfire going on, people getting beat up and stuff, you become very rigid about how you're going to behave so that that doesn't happen to you, right? Now, i got a question for you now. Like, um, me being an Iraqi veteran and, um, you know, and a young guy, so like, um, coming, coming from the war zone, you know, um, and you know, coming from the military, just in general, joined the military at a very young age, and, and uh, and and I had sort of like this, I guess, parallel, uh, <laughs> I guess, rigid thinking, you know, where I had the, the childhood, you know, rigid thinking, and then I had the military uh, rigid thinking. You know, um, is there sort of like a, a, a double whammy for me, or and like uh, would that would that the same thing kind of apply to those who make had like a similar experience. Well, you, you know, the, the military is going to feel very comfortable <laughs> because things are very black and white, and they have to be. You know, if you're, you're if you've got live fire going on, you know, that's why they train people to, to react without thinking. You know, they put them in the situation over and over again so that now they know exactly what they need to do, and you know, it saves their life, and that's important. Again, the problem is when you're in a in a in, 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 a, in a situation now I'm out of the military I'm out of my childhood situation I'm in an area where I have lots of freedoms lots of choices but I'm acting as if I don't right. I'm acting as if all that old stuff is still going on and that's what really cripples people and keeps them from you know living the life that they would like to is is acting as if they're still in the past even though they're in a different situation and a person has to first become aware of that and if, if they're not willing to acknowledge that something's wrong, then they're just going to keep doing what they've been doing. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's a lot of people. And oftentimes, it, it's, it's tied in with the ego. You know, if I admit something's wrong, then that somehow diminishes me. It makes me less of a person. I need to be strong. I need to never admit, you know, weaknesses or that, you know, something's wrong. And so they don't. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many, there's, there's, there's people who, you know, have struggled with this, you know, and they say, well, you know, like, okay, uh, 
how is it even possible for like long-term recovery and, and how long is long <laughs> and is it permanent once once recovery has uh, been achieved well nothing's permanent uh, i mean you have a kind of a uh I, I used to tell people, you know, okay, your tools are going to work well most of the time, but you will occasionally fall back into old patterns. And the most common time that you'll fall back into old patterns is when you're sick, hungry, tired, or stressed out. Because that's when your rational abilities are diminished, and so you tend to go back into old behaviors. In fact, when I do stress management, that's one of the signs that you're getting stressed out, is when old patterns start to emerge. You know, so again, so, you know, and it's funny because when I used to do parenting classes, I, I would talk about how, you know, sick, hungry, tired are your enemies with kids, right? You know, you, right. You, you're out, it's, it's lunchtime, you haven't fed them, they start acting up, right? You know, it's late at night, they're tired, they get grumpy, they start acting up. And it didn't take too long for me to realize, you know, the same thing is true for adults, right? When we're sick, hungry, tired, and we're stressed in there too, um, you know, hurt those types of things, then our brain doesn't work as well as when we're calm and relaxed and you know well fed. So yeah, that's that's when that stuff's going to come up. And so rather than beat yourself up and say, oh, this stuff's no good, you know, I'm back to where I was. Why is I'm, well, I'm never going to change. Just recognize, okay, uh, this is just a temporary thing. You know, manage the stress, get fed, you know, rest up, whatever, and then you know I'll be back on track again go back and just use the same stuff I used before, you know, it'll get me back to where I need to be. So it's, it's a cyclic thing. You know, it takes sometimes years for some things to really diminish to the point where you rarely see them, but they will occasionally pop up and just that's part of life. Yeah, and, and I think that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest frustration and, uh, and struggle for uh, many people and maybe the biggest fear too is um, is that, you know, they, they, they want to cure rather than recognizing that like, okay, you know, uh, essentially, you know, um, you're gonna have some bad days, you're gonna have maybe tons of good days, you know, uh, and, you know, and you have to be, be willing to, you know, be and be ready to, you know, um, be willing to uh, utilize the tools you have picked up along the way. And um, one of them could be, you know, picking up uh, the Overcoming Anxiety Second Edition book. <laughs> so, Exactly, and, and even there I talk about how, you know, you'll have these, these ups and downs as you go along. You know, and, and one of the problems is we use that computer model, you know, for our behavior. We say, well, we're going to rewrite our programs. Our, we are not computers, you know, and when you've got some conditioned response patterns that have been deeply ingrained, you can quiet them down and put them to rest, but occasionally they'll get fired, you know, and, and that's, again, why self-care becomes a, a piece of the puzzle. Uh, I know when I talk with people uh, and, and deal with clients, you know, I'll, we always talk about stress management uh, because, again, uh, if you're not doing that and you allow yourself to get all stressed out over stuff, then that's when those old things are going to come up again. So the, so the better you're managing your life in that regard, uh, the better you'll do with, with the other areas that you're working on. Fabulous. But it's been an excellent conversation with you, you know, um, you have really offered us up so much, you know, we greatly appreciate you, man. It's so much of a blessing. Is there any final words of, uh, you know, encouragement or, you know, just more wisdom you want to offer us before we let you go? Oh, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings is, you know, in life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. 
I like that it. I always, I always like that. You know, some people, when they experience pain, they really suffer. And others, well, yeah, it's painful, but, you know, let's move on. <laughs> so, yeah, so pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So you, 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 you decide how much you're going to suffer. Yeah, that's what it's all about, just uh, improving the quality of life. You know, not necessarily, you know, um, having the best life. <laughs> so, just improving quality of life. So... Thank you so much, man. Uh, is there, you know, anything you want to offer us up, or you know, any uh, more, uh, or wait for in in addition with that, uh, well, wait for us to get in contact a, with you. A lot, a lot of. Well, yeah, and a lot of what we've talked about, actually, I've made uh, videos up on YouTube. In fact, I've got a stress management series that uh, I'm wrapping up right now. Um, so, yeah, the things about emotional triggers, you know, uh, panic disorder. Uh, if you want to get a good uh, read on it, uh, just take a look at the YouTube channel. And you can link, if you can't remember the name or how to spell it, just go to the website, whyemotions.com, and it's got a link over there. And once you get over there, you, you'll, you'll see all the stuff that's available. And that's all free, so it's it's up there for people to take a look at. Okay, well, thanks so much. You know, uh, we we would definitely like to have you back on in the future, since you you know have anything else going on, or you just want to stop on by and, and say hello and give us some good greetings. Uh, we're free to do that, you know. Also, uh, so once again, ladies and gentlemen, we were just talking with Renew Purify. He's the author of Overcoming Anxiety, YouTuber, and author of many other titles. WhyEmotions.com is the website. That's W Y me, W H Y Emotions.com. Is that how it sounds? Uh, check out the YouTube and many other things he has going on. And join us next time for another uh, great show. Many blessings, peace, and lots of love. This is WTLB Digital Radio, Milwaukee. Thank you for listening to the Transform You Live show, Transform You Live Media Broadcast Network. For more information, visit TransformYouBroadcast.com. That's Transform Your Letter You Broadcast.com. Or tell your smart speaker, hey, play Transform You Live show. Many blessings, peace, and lots of love. Join us next time. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.